You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. And uh, it looks like... You know, I feel like I've kind of coined this. I don't think it's going to stick because it kind of sucks. It doesn't even sound good. But decision-making season, the the the, the de- declaration season, is kind of over for Georgia at this point. Um, Georgia lost some guys. They've got some guys back. We're going to talk about some of that. And we've already talked about it some here on the podcast. But we got Rusty here. He didn't get a chance to uh, talk about the whole Jordan Davis thing, so we're, we're probably going to mention that again. But at the same time, Jamari Sawyer, Zamir White, both elected to come back. Justin Schaefer also elected to come back. And and that's, you know, all of a sudden the offense, you know, is looking incredibly good with nine guys, nine of 11 returning starters and a bunch of other contributors. The defense gets some big-time – uh, big time guys coming back just in terms of difference makers and and uh, we're going to go over all of that rusty but since you didn't get a chance to kind of talk with us about the whole Davis thing tell me why that when you if you were to make a scorecard of guys leaving and going it's pretty close to even but tell me why it doesn't feel that way and it feels like Georgia really really won this this uh, this declaration season. Uh, experienced guys. I mean, you got locker room guys and it's about, you know, you can talk about the Sony and, and all those guys, but Renzo Carter, Davin Bellamy, it was all those guys together. I heard, um, you know, Najee Harris talk about Alabama the other night. He said, listen, when we came back, we had one goal. We have to win the national championship. We didn't come back to do this, do that, mess around. We came back as a group to win the national championship and, when you make a group, when you make a decision like the majority of these kids have, even a Justin Schaefer, you know Devontae Wyatt, who guys who could move on. And let's be honest, man, college football is not easy. It is not easy. So if you're a fourth or fifth rounder, you know, and you're going to be a fourth or fifth rounder again, probably next year, odds are you're going to leave. But those guys come back, look to finish their degrees, and um, you come back as a nucleus to to for a bigger goal, and obviously the goal every year at Georgia is to win the SEC East, then win the SEC Championship, and then play for the National Championship. Whether they've been able to attain that or not, that is a goal, and that's a goal that should be for this program. And it says a lot about these guys. I know that was a key loss with Tyreek Stevenson, but you could never they would never answer this, but I guarantee you if you were, if you were sitting in a room with the University of Georgia staff and you wrote down on the left, all the guys that were coming back. And then you wrote Tyreek Stevenson on the other side as you were going to lose him. They would take that trade and they need, they desperately needed Tyreek Stevenson. But I don't think they thought they were going to get this many back at key positions. James Cook, Zeus, Adam Anderson. Um, and and I, I say this in a serious face. Jake Cromartie was a kid that got a draftable grade. I think only five punters have been drafted in the last 10 years. He got a draftable grade. So, um, you know, they really, they really, from the top to the bottom, 
went after these guys, went after this, and um, try to help them make the best decision. But it worked out well for Georgia. I agree, Jake. I think Georgia uh, won this little this this last little two weeks in college football, and and that was that was big time. Uh, we'll see how it goes in twenty twenty one, but that was a very positive uh, as we enter you know the second half of January with those wins. You know, and and I look at it like this. You know, football is always going to be a line of scrimmage game, and and and. It, it may not be like you don't have to – we don't have to talk about, you know, teams that run the ball 50 times a game. I mean, that's probably – team running the ball 50 times a game winning a national championship is probably a thing of the past. Um, you never know. These things can be cyclical. It can come back at some point. But when – football is always going to be a line of scrimmage game. you got to be able to protect the quarterback. you got to be able to run the ball in certain situations. And you've got to be able to get after the quarterback. Well, Georgia had some key pieces come back there. I mean, some big-time key pieces. And, you know, Adam Anderson was a guy that I kind of never wanted to consider might go pro, but it wouldn't have shocked me based on some of the kind of head-scratching decisions you've seen out of Georgia these past few years. But he comes back. You mentioned that. Getting Davis back, emotional leader. Devontae White, another big-time leader there. So Georgia gets that offensive line of scrimmage shored up. And then, I mean, I'm sorry, that, that the defensive line of scrimmage short, short up. And then the offensive line of scrimmage, bringing back three of five starters to me was going to be best case scenario for Georgia when you came into the season is, is getting three of the five back. Now, I would have said, you know, I would have probably said Trey Hill and Jamari Sawyer come back and, and, and Justin Schaefer and Ben Cleveland leave. But, you know, you get the point that getting three of five starters back up front is big. And Jamari Sawyer is massive because, and, and I mentioned this on last podcast. You know, yeah, the plan may be to move him into left guard, and that may be what they want to do, and they want to give it every opportunity. But I saw the guy play left tackle at a high level this year, and and not many not many people relatively can do that. And and so Georgia has that. But you know, the Zamir White one, Kip. Um, you know, listen, Georgia would have probably been fine without him. They'd have had a talented back to step in his place. But why did that one? Why was that such a seemingly, and you may disagree with this, and if you do, I want to hear it. Um, why was that seemingly such a big cherry on top of this entire process for Georgia? Just look at the way Zamir White was coming on toward the end of the season. Uh, just this, the way he played, I mean, South Carolina, Missouri, you know, he was, it, it seemed like he was really starting to, to kind of get his legs back on him. Now, again, again, Cincinnati didn't have the game he would have liked, but just over that, you know, the the latter half of the, the season, even against, I mean, Florida, it just seemed like you were starting to see some of, of what he brings to the table. And I think that if you just look overall at Georgia's returning production offense, I mean, it's it's kind of tantalizing if, if you're Todd Monk. And I know that right now for Georgia, I think keeping Todd Monk and through the, you know, the NFL offseason is going to be priority number one. We haven't heard anything that would make us think that, you know, that anything would happen, but that's got to be the key right now for Georgia because this offense just has potential to be, you know, really one of the, the best that we've seen in Athens. And I just think that looking at Zemir White, looking at his potential, yes, you know, he is a guy that with two knee injuries, having a chance to get to the league and wherever he's drafted or even undrafted, just getting to a camp. You can see why that would be a priority for, you know, someone who's had to overcome what he's had to overcome. But then at the same time, just knowing that that every month that goes by, he he continues to get stronger and get more explosive. And 
I mean, you look at Nick Chubb now in the NFL and what he seems to be doing every month and every every season that goes by, he continues to get better and better. I mean, Zamir can see that and and see the path to to where he can definitely improve his draft stock. I mean, having you know three seasons of of productivity and and, and continuing to improve gives him a chance to to hear his name called pretty early next year and really to to write a, an outstanding story at Georgia. Just again, like I said, overcoming those knee injuries, coming back for your senior season, you do get that that Nick Chubb kind of storyline for him. And, I mean, the last time that happened, it worked out pretty well for Georgia, you know, in 2017. And I just think that you have the offensive line coming back, you have a quarterback coming back, you have over 95% of your offensive production in general coming back. I think that Zamira knows that he can be fresh every game, but also be highly productive and and really make a name for himself in, in the in the eyes of NFL scouts as someone they can depend on at the next level. You know, you you kept going back to the Nick Chubb thing, and and I I don't want anybody to think we're trying to make a comparison between the two on the field. One was way more productive than the other. Now Zamir kind of had his issues before he ever got started at Georgia. Um, but Rusty, when I look at Zamir White and I listen to the people at close to the program and how they talk about him, I get that cut from a different cloth type feeling about him, or uh, feeling is probably not the right word, the, the, the cut from a different cloth type impression about him. And you know Nick very well, and, and, and you know, you know, kind of the, the rep Zamir White has. How valuable is that to, to get him back, knowing that he's the kind of, you know, he's the kind of guy that's going to be in there, you know, putting more sweat on the on the floor of that indoor practice facility than anybody else and and kind of setting the tone in that way. I mean, he's not a vocal leader. He's not going to get in people's face and, and this, that, and the other. But, but just having that warrior workhorse type guy to kind of help set the tone this offseason, I feel like that's just as big as anything in this situation. And, and, and I just wanted to know if, if you get that same impression of Zamir White. Yep, I mean he's a hammer. Um, I think he's had some games where he showed flashes, especially the second half of the year, where he's shown flashes of, you know, becoming that guy that we've all kind of watched through high school and and uh, coming through two ACLs. You know, it's been well written the story. You know, born at 14 years old, uh, multiple surgeries, preemie. I mean, he was fighting the the odds from the time he came into this earth. So that's nothing new for him. And um, I really think this is one that could, when you look at everyone, I think two people really made decisions that could very, very, very benefit, uh, very well benefit them financially. I think it was Jordan Davis, who I think can go from a, you know, mid-second guy, uh, mid-second, late-second guy to a potential first-rounder, which is a substantial amount of money. And then you look at Zamir, who got a fourth to fifth round grade, uh, from what I understand. And you look at this guy who, if he's that guy, and he continues to move forward in some of the ways that we saw him later this year, this is a guy that could slip into that early third, potentially maybe a late second. Then you start talking about doubling your signing bonus from a, about a 300000 it's about an eight or nine hundred to triple, and that's a big, big deal for someone like that. So, 
Uh, I, I think that, that Zamir White and Jordan Davis are two guys financially that can really make some money, um, you know, coming back and having a projected very, very good senior season in Athens. Yeah, I think both running backs made really good decisions. And, you know, Rusty, you've been adamant about the second contract thing. And I think for most players, that's such a big deal. But for running backs, and I'm not saying it's not a big deal for running backs either, it is. But when you look at the average lifespan of a, or a shelf life of an NFL running back and it's like two, three, four years, that's the life of one contract. And I know I've said this before, but – at some point, you've got to kind of weigh the, okay, am I going to get to that second contract or do I need to make sure that the first contract is going to net me some runway for the rest of my life? You know, and, and uh, you know, I think that you kind of have to balance that decision as a running back. And I think both getting Zamir White, getting James Cook back, leading that room, their, their diverse skill set, I think the best is yet to come from Zamir White. And, and I, I keep going back to one thing. His best run of the season was in the, was in the Peach Bowl. I mean, that 12-yard run was one of the best runs I've seen from a Georgia running back in, since Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. I mean, it was, it was, it was up there with, with some of DeAndre Swift's best. I mean, you know, making three guys miss before you even get to the line of scrimmage, really. You know, bouncing off another tackle to get 12 yards. I mean, he, you guys are right. He had a really good-looking, uh, good you know, stretch there at the end of the season. Um, and there were a couple games where nobody ran the ball in Georgia's backfield, including Zamir White. There was the Mississippi State game and there was the there was the Peach Bowl, but but more often than not, down the stretch, he was ripping off twenty plus yard gains and, and ended the season with seven of them, I believe. And uh seven is the exact same number of of uh twenty plus yard run runs that Nick Chubb had in all of twenty sixteen, the year he came back from his injury uh in what was it, twelve, thirteen games, basically thirteen twelve games because he only had one carry against Tennessee that year. All right, guys, let's talk. Uh, let, let's jump into a break real quick. And on the other side, uh, I don't know if people have forgotten. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. There's still another signing day. We want to talk about the, the, the main guy left on Georgia's board as far as that goes. And then uh, I want to let Rusty Muse a little bit on, these tra- on this transfer portal uh, because I think some people might have the wrong impression of what Georgia needs to do and when, and we want to discuss that on the other side. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, let's start with Kip and what Georgia needs to do to round out this 2021 class. And unless I'm missing something, unless something changes in the near future, one guy left, Terry and Arnold, 
Uh, Kip, talk, what's what's going on there with him and his his spot in the class and 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 Georgia's recruitment of him? Well, Terry and Arnold, uh, we've talked about him throughout the last, I guess, nine months, the whole recruiting cycle. A four-star guy out of Tallahassee, Florida, John Paul Catholic, the nation's number five safety according to the twenty-four-seven Sports composite. And I mean, you're right. There's no mystery here. Georgia has spots left for the transfer portal that Rusty's going to talk about here in a minute. But as far as signing day is concerned, I mean, Taron Arnold is the guy. He's been the focal point for, for Georgia throughout the cycle. You know, six foot, 180 pounds. He's a guy that, I mean, you talk about the loss of Tyreek Stevenson. He's just another guy in that mold, a guy who can play multiple spots in the secondary. If, you know, Maybe not a full-time cornerback, but he's a guy that you tell him, you know, if we need you at cornerback, we're going to put you there. If we need you at star, we're going to put you there as well. He, I think those are the positions that, you know, that he kind of brings to the table and special teams. You know, he's a guy you, you do want to get the ball in his hands on, on special teams if you can as well. You definitely want to make the pitch to him of that just based on his film. You know, he has that ability and, you know, with all, all the prospects in the 2021 cycle, Taryn was always the guy that n- was never in a rush to, to make a decision, was never in a rush to trim his list, put out top 15, top 30s. He, I mean, he took his time and was very diligent with everything. And we knew early on that, you know, he was going to be a guy that was going to go late in the cycle. And he made that decision, I'm going to go until the second signing day probably thinking let's see what happens with the coaching carousel as much as you say you know don't commit to a coach it's still a factor with prospects every cycle and it's still going to be a factor because they establish relationships and so he at least wants the opportunity to be coached by somebody that he feels comfortable with in year one and so you know florida you know they've had coaching changes in their secondary and you know Alabama winning, you know, win the championship. Their their coaching staff, they're still, you know, lock trying to lock that in with Steve Sarkeesian, you know, making his hires at Texas. But at the same time, I think that you know they're kind of becoming more stable now as well. And I mean, again, with Georgia, the coaching staff right now is intact. And I think that you look at Charlton Warren, you look at Dan Lanning and and Kirby Smart. I mean, they've been recruiting him for a long time, and they have positioned themselves well with him, but at the same time, he's still going to take visits on his own this month. Again, you can't have any contact with the coaching staff, can't really be, you know, on campus with the facilities, but you can still go to these towns. You can still spend time with players, any players that are on campus, and you can still try to get a feel for, for which place you feel most comfortable at. And, and you look at his top three, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. It's it's going to be close, but right now I think it's it's an Alabama Georgia battle just with how both teams played toward the end of the year with the coaching staffs are in place, the relationships you have. I, I give those programs the edge the edge right now. I think Georgia's well positioned, but I mean, he's not going to make a decision until National Signing Day, that first uh, you know Wednesday in February. And just looking at Georgia's secondary, as we said, I mean Georgia has lost as much as you can possibly lose really in that secondary. So I think as far as the pitch, it's going to be pretty easy. You know, you've got signed four DBs, but they have a wide open DB depth chart right now. 
And so for, for Georgia, can, can they land them? You know, I, I think they have a chance to. I like their chances, but we still have, you know, three weeks until until that gets locked in place. And he's a guy that, that I mean, I've, I've been as high as I can be on a, on, a, on a DB prospect in this cycle in regards to Terry Arnold. I just love his film, love what he brings to the table. And I think he's a guy who could make – potentially an impact in year one, you know, at Georgia, if they're able to land him and a class that's already number three in the country just would get even stronger with the addition of Terry and Arnold. Package deals are often overrated, uh, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's pretty tight with Xavier and Sori. Georgia won a battle with Alabama to get Sori and, and, and Florida as well. Um, so, you know, you definitely, you know, Georgia does have that kind of uh, thing in its corner there. Uh, you brought up the coaching carousel, and, and just a casual comment I want to make here that I hope doesn't set people off, but get ready for that second quarter to go into the carousel, folks. You know how you put the quarter in the carousel to make it go? Uh, you know, the little the little tiny carousel there at the supermarkets when you were growing up, out in front of Harvey's or Winn-Dixie or wherever. Get ready for that other quarter to go into that slot, and that's the carousel to start going round and round again because as these NFL jobs start to get filled, Urban Meyer hired today. Uh, as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to fill their staff, and there's some college guys going to go. And uh, then from there, you're going to have some college positions that need to be filled. And there's you know still stuff working out as far as college staffs go. So uh, you know the, the dust has not settled there yet. Georgia has been unscathed thus far, uh, but you know I would I would say we're probably looking at least a month from now before you're actually you know really locked into where that's at. And if you look at the timeline for the past couple years that's where it's been is you've been kind of looking at the end of the middle to the end of February before everything gets kind of locked into place as far as staffs next year. And, and we'll see how that goes down the stretch. Don't really have any info, whether it's going to change or expected to change, but that's kind of how these things are. All right, Rusty taking the dogs 24 seven junkyard. That's our message board for them. And, and we got 50% off right now over at dogs 24 seven of an annual um, VIP pass. So if you want to want to join the site, now is a perfect time to do it. Uh, you will get the benefit of the junkyard, which is one of a kind. Uh, if you take the temperature over there, Rusty, right now, every single defensive back that enters the transfer portal, we're discussing it over there. Is a guy, right? It's yeah. It's a guy. <laughs> it's a guy. It's a guy. It's a dude. The guy's got two legs, two arms. It's a guy. <laughs> I mean, what are we waiting on? You know, uh, let me tell me, tell me why George is in no hurry. Tell me um, why he's not treating it the same way. They have the best, in, in case I'm wrong, it is the best transfer situation in the country. I mean, if you want to play big time college football and you want a path to start, I mean, I don't know how. You could look at the depth chart and the people they signed, the people they lost in a numbers game and go, I need to go there. But Georgia's looking for something specific. I think people assumed that Georgia was going to uh, just grab somebody and be done with it. This is too important of a decision. This is something that, you know, this could be – this could wind up being a national championship type decision. I mean, because their front seven is going to be as good as anybody in the country. Not saying it's the best, but Georgia certainly would be worthy of some praise with Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt coming back. What they've got, 
linebackers, speed, youth, additions, they, they, they have got some guys. And um, that's going to be their best friend. That's going to be the secondary's best friend. If I'm Kirby Smart and I'm recruiting a guy, I walk in there and say, man, you only got to cover for a couple of seconds because we're going to get him. We're going to go get this guy. You cover for two seconds, two and a half, three seconds, and we're good. So, um, you know, the positions are wide open, especially at corner, especially at corner. We all assume, and I would be surprised if Keenan Ringo is not a guy that, that's leaned on heavily probably to be one of those, but there's, there's nickels and there's stars and all that stuff is open. Another cornerback position, everything is wide open. So this is an important decision. So Georgia is going to look at guys. They're going to see what they fit. And, you know, if they don't get anybody before this signing day, it's still not panic mode time because I think people forget how active that portal is after spring practice. You know, you get there and just say you're a guy and you're going back to a school and, you know, you're a starter and you're like, man, I don't know how good we're going to be after this. And I'm thinking about, man, Georgia's a top five team. They're going to open up with Clemson on national TV. They need corners. Maybe I need to look at him. Those types of situations like that happen. So I think people get in a little bit of panic mode and they post on every board, hey, so-and-so, and that's okay. I mean, it's okay to have that. And uh, But I, I want everybody to be – to be real understanding here that Georgia didn't have to take a guy now. They don't take a guy next month. They don't take a guy next month. They got pretty much all the way until June to make a decision. And there will be new players and there will be new good players in that thing before it's all said and done. So they're going to have to take somebody, no question about it. But I think people are under the impression they got to take somebody right now or it's over. And then I just, you know, it's like Christian Tut. Christian Tut's a good player. He doesn't fit anything that Georgia does. He doesn't fit anything Georgia does. Okay, and they and they didn't recruit him hard the first time. Doesn't mean that they were right, but they're looking for something that fits their, um, you know, position and their what they do on defense. So, uh, I, I think people get in a, a kind of a panic mode about things like that, and just want to be real clear that, you know, they're they're going to get some guys. They got to get some guys, and and I think they're going to be active in that portal. It doesn't have to be now. And I'll say this too, Rusty. You look at Keely Ringo and and Nylon Green, and I know he's a freshman. Um, you know Jalen Kimber. Um, even you know you got a mere speed in there who hasn't done a whole lot. Uh, um, you know Kamari Lasseter is going to be there in June, and you kind of start going down the board and you look at some of the talented DBs Georgia has in that room, and it's not all that easy to find somebody that you feel real good is going to be better than those guys. I mean, you got you may get somebody that you feel is really talented, has got more experience, Correct. and you know, and and maybe a no brainer better than those guys. But you know, you you start looking at some of these, you know, the the talent level is there, and and it's not going to be a problem. I mean, and and I don't want to criticize Clemson or 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 you know get their fan base on my back here, but Georgia's secondary when when you looked at that Ohio State game, that Ohio State Clemson game, Clemson looked Clemson's defensive backfield like they were running in mud. I mean, I don't know what their defensive backfield is going to look like when, when you know, Georgia and Clemson play in Charlotte on September the 4th. But that secondary, that night, looked talent deficient. And I don't think Georgia's going to have that problem. I just think it's a situation where you got to worry about busted coverages or maybe being a little – or to, to prevent that, maybe being a little bit more simple than you want to be on the back half. 
I do think that you start talking, looking at that front seven, and Georgia's going to have the studs to make teams one-dimensional, keep teams under three yards of carry, and and really protect that secondary. But at the end of the day, it's not easy to find guys that are going to be clearly better than what Georgia has currently. They're just going to be more experienced. And that's a kind of a sliding scale there that the staff is going to have to weigh in on. And maybe it's a guy that doesn't really completely fit what they want to do, but maybe that guy's a stud. You know, maybe that guy's a guy that fits anything that anybody wants to do. You just never really know. Um, but, you know, the, they're going to be patient with it, and they should be patient with it because, again, they're not dealing with a talent deficiency. They're, they've got dudes. They've got they've got players. Uh, and uh, I also want to point this out. I wasn't jabbing at the junkyard when I said that. It's it's I'm I'm loving the discussion of every defensive back that pops in because there's good discussion that kind of surrounds it. And I'm actually learning about guys I don't really know, know a whole lot about from like Houston and and Memphis and and some of the ones that have been brought about because I didn't know how good some of these other players were. All conference guys that are there, and and maybe Georgia takes a look at somebody like that down the road, but. Uh, they're not going to be in any big hurry for for that portal spot or any others because they go ahead and fill a spot right now. It's one they don't have to fill if some some blockbuster dude jumps in there um, come April or May, and uh, then that'll really sting. That'll that'll really feel kind of crappy at that point. But like Rusty said, they're going to go in there and they're going to get somebody, and then uh, that's what's important. And we'll have it covered for you over at Dollars Twenty Four Seven. That anything that happens as far as the assistant coaching stuff. Early uh, the the traditional national signing day, you name it, we'll have it nailed down for you. Come see us over there, fifty percent off annual subscription. Um, that's six months for free. Uh, I know that math is pretty simple for some, maybe not for others. Uh, but for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs Twenty Four Seven. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place, and you all take it easy. Time has come for drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.